Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Understanding Propaganda, everybody. And today we have an, uh, an amazing guest, a guest who is uh, more qualified to speak on some of the events that are going on in the world today than anyone else, the one and only Mr. Lee Camp. Lee, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So it seems like you got caught up in a whirlwind of this uh, of this entire debacle uh, with uh, Russia and what's going on in the Ukraine. And uh, yeah, if, if anybody here in the States has been directly impacted by this, it's, it's you. So uh, what exactly happened? I know that RT America completely seems to have disappeared. Uh, and that's been like my staple of like non-propaganda related news for like the last, you know, five, six years. Uh, so what happened? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I'm collateral damage, although uh, destroying RT America was definitely collateral damage that the U.S. government has been uh, aching for for many years. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have the inside uh, track in terms of the the actual reason that they shut down. But I can tell you that it was pretty instantaneous. Uh, they last week on a, a Wednesday, they said, we're not filming anything and we'll tell you more tomorrow. And then we come into the following day and they say, it's all over, pack up your things, you know, had a, had a good run. See you later. Um, and it was kind of bizarre. Now, you, now people have to understand that RT America, first of all, is, uh, the crown jewel of the, the, of RT and had done very well until it was suppressed heavily in 2016. It was the number one. It quickly become the number one international news channel in the U.S. Uh, my show was very successful until the suppression hit in 2016. And, uh, and it all shut down so quickly that it leads me to believe it, it could be nothing else than, uh, you know, either, either sanctions or U.S. government, uh, you know, just telling them to shut down for one reason or another. Either way, it basically comes back to the U.S. government uh, because they may have not had easy access to money, but they had enough, uh, you know, excess funding for months, if not a year. They had, uh, you know, they lost some of their platforms because of uh, what's been going on in the world recently. But you know, the, the invasion of Ukraine, but uh, that wouldn't have stopped them from having a very successful online uh, outfit, which they did. And, and so none of that seems to be a reason to just shut everything down instantaneously and tell, tell no one, Hey, we might be back in a week or a month. Uh, you know, they, if that were a, a chance, they would have told us some of us that, and they did not. So I, I think it's, it's somehow sanction related. I, I don't know the, the exact details though. I think the very notion that speech is censored here in the United States uh, is just completely, uh, it, it takes the mask off of America and it shows yeah. the world who we really are. And the, the degradation of our rights and to in, up to and including censorship over the past 
60, 70 years has just been absolutely, uh, it's been unreal. I mean, this doesn't feel like America anymore, at least the America that I grew up in in the 1980s, you know? But um, so- well, as as, well they, they, they did a pretty good job of uh, covering up uh, the truth about Kennedy. And that was before the 1980s. The, the, the image you're sitting in front of right now. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, the thing about the thing about that era is you only had you had three networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. And right. you had a whole lot of independent um, newspapers who all got their information from the same centrally controlled sources. Right. So um, yep. it was it was much harder to. Um, or I should say it's much easier to provide outright lies. I mean, with Kennedy, yeah. they just lied about stuff straight up and they didn't think that anyone would ever be able to put together the pieces like they never it, could conceive of an it, Internet. You know, it and, took. them. Yeah, I know. It took them. It took them 40 years to admit the Gulf of Tonkin was a was fake, was basically essentially storm clouds that we pretended were Vietnamese. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's it, if you had had the Internet back then. People could have looked at weather radars on from their home computer and uh, and said the Gulf of Tonkin never happened. They could yeah. have looked at, at <laughs> Google satellite images. Yeah. So yeah. It, but, you know, that that's obviously not stopping them today. I mean, what we're seeing with Ukraine is and, and by the way, people think that RT America somehow told me what to say. I've never been told what to say. I write all my own stuff. Uh, I came up with every topic myself, researched it myself, had never been censored. And that's why I was at RT America. It was the it was by far the freest network you could possibly get in on the United States airwaves. But uh, what I was going to say is, you know, the, the propaganda we're seeing right now with Ukraine. Uh, look, I'm opposed to the invasion. I, I said that on day one that I'm opposed to all war. I'm opposed to all bombing. I'm opposed to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But I also gave context for uh, why, you know, why it's happening, what it is the U.S. has done in terms of funding and arming Nazis, creating the 2014 coup, uh, expanding NATO over the years, putting missiles on Russia's border. Uh, you know, so you can give context and that doesn't mean you support, uh, you know, the death of anyone. Um, but what we're seeing right now is the, the U.S. media is, yes, getting everyone to care about Ukrainians, but they're doing it actually to elongate the war. Because what needs to happen right now, if you want to save lives, is we, they need to sit down at a peace table immediately and hash it out and not leave that room till it's done. Instead, the U.S. is doing everything they can to continue this conflict, to you know, arm uh, neo-Nazis in the streets of Ukraine because they see it as beneficial to uh, get Russia bogged down in a, in a long, long-term insurgency. So right now, the U.S. government, the U.S. military is using Ukraine as basically cannon fodder in a much larger geopolitical war. Yes, and when you have uh, an adversary who does not bring good faith to the table, it's kind of hard to negotiate with them. And that's exactly what America has done. They are not bringing good faith efforts to the table. So, um, you know, what is the solution? Uh, if, because if the roles were reversed and they have been in the past with the Cuban Missile Crisis, we already know all about that. Um, if, uh, you know, the analogy is if the Russians helped uh, overthrow the Mexican government and install, you know, weapons down there, we would have bombed them like on day one. It wouldn't have been a negotiation. It wouldn't have been meetings at the table. It would have been like, okay, more missiles, uh, you know, right. going out the door. So, you know, how do you negotiate with someone who's not willing to negotiate? I mean, that's the, it seems to be the crux of the problem here. Well, yeah, I can't I can't speak to how to get uh, psychopaths to stop psychopathing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. But, you know, the part I feel like I can have some tiny influence on is the American people have to stop buying into this crap. And it, 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 if you you know, yes, you should care about innocent civilians. 
but the way they're using it right now is simply to create Russophobia, to create uh, toxic nationalism, and it actually just creates more war, more death. And so if you give a flying shit about a civilian, then you should not be falling for this uh, incredible anti-Russia, uh, you know, anti uh anti-peace uh, uh, garbage of like, oh, people want a no-fly zone. A no-fly zone basically equals nuclear war because if you put in a no-fly zone, that means NATO's got to shoot down Russian jets. If they shoot down Russian jets, you are at nuclear war. So it's it's utterly insane to want a no-fly zone. And apparently 75% of America wants that because they don't understand what it means. And they've been told by the media that that's the answer. And so uh, honestly, like our whole mainstream media and our government bullhorns, uh, they're just pathetic and they're and they're psychopathic yes and one thing that frustrates me is how everyone falls for the nonsense i mean i took a a lift the other day and the lift driver was telling me that russia and china get along so well because they're both communists and i'm like russia hasn't uh, been a communist country in like 25 years you know uh, maybe even 30 years so this is the fall of the soviet union you know they run on state capitalism even so even, even china has a good load of capitalism in there so oh oh yes <laughs> most certainly um one thing i like to do is i like to um reference back to um some of the uh, older school um documents that can kind of shed some light on what's going on today. And this is my favorite document of all time. And I've read 100,000 pages of government documents. This is uh, the doctrine regarding rumors from the OSS. It's from uh, 1942, I believe it was written by a guy named R.H. Knapp. And when you just scroll through some of this old guidance on how to create a successful rumor, it explains everything that goes on today. Uh, Just some examples. Uh, The successful rumor is easy to remember. It is sufficiently brief and simple to survive in the memory of successive narrators. It contains familiar persons, places, and circumstances and incorporates a suitable local color. It contains striking concrete detail. Now, how much striking concrete detail do we get in these bogus stories, right? Like uh, the ghost of Kiev is is, is hilarious, you know? Um, It often incorporates a humorous twist when possible. Uh, and it's the oldest story in the newest clothes, meaning uh, these guys basically, they just recycle the same types of propaganda because the mind only absorbs information really in a kind of uniform set kind of ways. And right. so propaganda targets that. So they can't really vary from the script. Um, that, that's that's a great point. One of the several of the things that have been going viral right now are not just not just, uh, you know, remakes of old propaganda. Some of them are straight up the same video. Uh, one, one example, which you, you said includes local color and possibly humor, is a little girl screaming at a soldier to get out of her homeland and, get, and go away. And people were sharing it, saying it was a Ukrainian girl yelling at a Russian troop. In fact, it was Ahed Tamimi, a Palestinian girl, mm-hmm. yelling at an IDF soldier to yep. get out of her homeland and, uh, you know, people were sharing it around like brave Ukrainian girl. And you're like, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I love. The successful rumor exploits the emotions and sentiments of the group. It expresses a widespread emotional disposition shared by members of the group. It provides justification for suppressed fears, hatreds and desires. And it serves to articulate a sentiment common to the group. Um, another one is that one of the, the do- part of the doctrine of rumors is that it explains that it should uh, help to particip- pr- pr- precipitate 
um, financial fears and crises uh, so that the rumors basically caused like the uh, the emptying of the shelves at the grocery stores. People's own panicky reactions to rumors are part of what they do to incorporate into this stuff. And so like the entire reason I started uh, understanding propaganda in the first place was to kind of educate people on, hey, you can spot this stuff before it even drops. Um, nice. When COVID first started to come out and we knew nothing about it in like February or March, I called BS on COVID because I was seeing patterns of propaganda and I'm like, something big is coming because I was seeing the patterns that uh, I had seen before in previous research. And like, you can follow this stuff all the way back to the origins, you know, back into World War II. And you can look at the patterns of propaganda that came out during World War II. I mean, realistically, 90% of the things that we know about Hitler, you know, fat women liking to shit on him and stuff like that, it's all just wartime propaganda, <laughs> you know? I um, hadn't even, I hadn't even heard that one. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they, there's all kinds of stuff, but like uh, in the modern day, it's, it's no different. And everything about Russia that we've seen, honestly, as long as far back as I can remember, seems to go off the same script. So um, let me ask you a question. What do you think is going to happen uh, with this See, they keep calling things war these days, but like wars usually have like, I think of World War II, where it's combat on both sides. When one side just goes in and just wipes out the other side, it doesn't really seem like a war. It seems like they should have some new word for that. But um, Russia okay. could have really knocked out Ukraine in a day. They could have just destroyed them and they're not. They're being very yeah. surgical. And so what do you think is going on? Yeah. And people need to realize, you know, that's not just coming from uh, you or me. Uh, you know, I, I interviewed on. Uh, but by, by the way, I my, my show has been deleted, redacted tonight, uh, but I created a, a Patreon to try and keep things going. Patreon.com slash Lee Camp. And I just interviewed uh, Scott Ritter, the former U.N. weapons inspector who got everything right about Iraq even before it happened. He was running around saying, look, I'm a weapons inspector. I know there are no WMD and uh the, our mainstream media and our government called him a clown, called him an idiot, uh, called him a Saddam apologist. And of course, he was absolutely right about everything. Uh, so now he is doing the same with this, you know, with the, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, talking about what's what we're being lied to about. And one of the things he says is, look, exactly what you're saying. Russia is such an overwhelming military force compared to Ukraine that if they wanted to, they could have utterly destroyed it, come in in a day. And they're not doing that because they're trying actually to not kill a lot of civilians. Now, I'm not saying no civilians have died, but uh, the, the, the Russian strikes are not what we're hearing in the West. They have largely been pretty pinpoint and they have largely uh, tried to hit uh, areas that would decrease the, the military ability of Ukraine without killing tons of civilians. They also, Scott Ritter said, have not been bombing uh, just barracks of these neo-Nazi soldiers. Um, because they, they don't want to do it that way. Instead, they're uh, letting the soldiers, uh, you know, actually have, you know, be able to sleep and things like that. And they're basically trying to get them, trying to tell them, you know, you should stop fighting, though. Uh, but so he's like, he's like, we're, we're being told in the West that this is some sort of battle, that the Ukraine could uh, defeat Russia if, sorry, not the Ukraine, that Ukraine could defeat Russia if they, uh, you know, just had enough guns and grandmas ran out in the streets, but it's all bullshit. And Russia will win this one way or another. So all that we are deciding now is how long do we draw this out? How many people have to die? Uh, how horrific do you want this to be? And again, that's not coming from me. If people don't want to believe me, these are experts who understand this situation far better than, than I do. 
Uh, and the U.S. government knows this. That's the thing. The U.S. government knows that this is the situation. They just want it to last a long time so that it so that they can justify all the sanctions on Russia. They can draw down Russia's energy to fight their economy, et cetera. Um, but who's who who ends up suffering the most? Ukrainian people. You just end up with let's say this lasted a year or some something that you just end up with more people dead. And so the U.S. government actually in that in, in that scenario, which is the truth wants people dead. They just want it to last. And that's just more people dead. So when you think, you know, when you change your uh, thumbnail to the Ukrainian flag on uh, Instagram and you want peace in Ukraine, just remember your government and your media does not want that. They are doing everything they can to continue the fighting. Yes. Um, it seems as though as a nation, we kind of lose our identity if we're not blowing people up. I mean, it's kind of what it seems like. Um, the, the best book on that is War is a Force That Gives Us Meaning by Chris Hedges, yeah. Oh, I, I haven't read that, but I'm familiar with it. Um, yeah, and also, you know, if you want to go on the conspiratorial tip, you can go down to like the, uh, the Iron Mountain documents. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It was a study that was done way back in the 50s or 60s that concluded that uh, we can never have peace because if we did, it would cause calamities across the world. And so that war basically stabilizes everything. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah. And it also, there's a lot of reasons that we want endless war. Uh, you know, people point to the economy, weapons contractors. Yes, there's a lot of money in it. But at a deeper level, it, it ensures that the populace stays behind the ruling elite because we are now, currently, right now, what do Americans view as their enemy? They view Russia as their enemy. They view, uh, you know, maybe Iran, maybe China, but they're not as much pointing at the ruling elite, which is really our enemy. They're the ones that make the decisions not to give people health care, not to give people a minimum wage, uh, a livable wage, not to not to help the citizens in these incredibly difficult times, not to keep people from being evicted during, uh, you know, this this tragic uh, past couple of years. Uh, that That's who the enemy is for your average people. But instead, if we're at war, if we can point to a, a great other that is the, the, the real enemy, they tell us, then they don't have to deal with that. You know, revolutionary forces in a country greatly dwindle when the country is facing some outside evil. Yes, you know, um, my take on, you know, who is making the decisions for America and the military and everything that's happened, I have a quite different take on things. Um, you know, I've, I've told you I've, uh, I'm a I was for many years of basically a full-time Kennedy researcher. I've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on Kennedy. And I have basically concluded that the United States of America, as we ever knew it, came to an end on November 22nd, 63, and that we were basically co-opted by a foreign power of you know, the nation of Israel, who was behind the assassination. And every decision we've made, every war that we have been involved in has directly benefited Israel and not benefited us in the least. Um, when you actually dig yeah. into... When you dig into Kennedy, you'll find the people behind Kennedy directly goes. The chain of command went from Ben-Gurion to Yitzhak Shamir to Rabin and Menachem Begin, who then directly were connected to Jack Ruby. And so. Well, I haven't seen any of that, but I will tell you that uh, I will tell you that I, I don't I think the inarguable part of what you're saying is that is that the U.S. and Israel are essentially the same state. I mean, yes, Israel, that's exactly my, my, my notion is yeah. that we're in an Israeli colony post Kennedy. OK. So, yeah, I mean, you, 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 you can have your opinions. I haven't seen the stuff you're talking about, but uh, I'm just saying that, yeah, people should view 
the U.S. and Israel as one entity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's silly to act like, oh, well, the U.S. has a special friendship with Israel like we do with England. Uh, not really. It's essentially the, the, the Israel. It, Israel is the U.S. outpost in, in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, many of the nations that we've brought down in the Middle East, part of the reason, I mean, I'd say the larger, deeper reason is they were, they were outside our central banking arm. But one of the, you know, uh, aligned reasons is that they could pose if they continue to grow strong, even under a dictator, even under whoever if they continue to grow strong, they could pose a threat to Israel. So. Yeah, that's a complicated and completely separate conversation that maybe we could have one day. Um, but one thing that I look at in this whole thing is uh, the, remember the pushback that Russia gave to the Israelis in Syria. I can't help but think that due to some of the um, due to some of the ethnic origins of the Israeli state, you can trace directly back to the Ukraine and Russia, back to the Khazar Empire, back in the, you know, <laughs> the, the Dark Ages from 720 or 740 through 1200. I can't help but think that a lot of these things that go on in the world today have nothing to do with modern geopolitics, but really are generational grudges. Um, battle between uh, Russia and Ukraine, you can basically look to the, the, the end of the Khazar Empire at the end of the 1200s uh, and moving into the, the well, settlement. But that would, wouldn't that imply that the people today are all still the same people yeah. that, were, that yep. were here then, whereas, you know, many people from Ukraine consider themselves Russia. Many people from Israel consider themselves Russian. Many people from Russia may consider themselves Israeli, like it, it or, yes. or, you know, or of Jewish origin. So the nations don't really fall like the way they did back then because people move around and people's change. Correct. And, Correct. Uh, but I find that people still have this connection to their ancestral history to a certain patch of land, which to me is insanity. Uh, I don't really feel like I have any direct connection to a patch of land, but um, I feel that uh, modern geopolitics doesn't explain a lot of what's going on in the world. Uh, you can look at all the various factors, but there's still big patches of that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. But when you incorporate ancient history and things like that, it seems to fill in the gaps a little better. But, OK, well, I mean, uh, you, uh, yeah, you know, you'd have to show me something like that. I feel like it makes sense. <laughs> um, I feel like it makes sense when you look at the deeper issues. I think a lot of people look at the surface issues and think that is the explanation, you know, the, that the that the U.S. tells us, oh, Russia. Russia's invading because they want Ukraine's oil or uh, Russia's invading just because uh, Putin's Hitler and he just wants more land. And it's like, well, no, if you actually look at what we've been doing to Russia for the past 40 years, surrounding them with a military alliance and putting missiles on their border and neo-Nazis on their border, considering they lost 27 million Russians to the Nazis in World War II, they're not really uh, conducive to those ideas. So and then, of course, it has to do with fading U.S. empire and the U.S. needs a proxy war against Russia because we are fading. China and Russia are rising uh, economically. And yeah, so there's a lot of things going on. But I think I think the explanations are there. One thing I think is kind of hilarious and ironic and sad all at the same time is that we're seeing this recycling of people, not even from former uh, you know, Democrat administrations, but we're seeing the recycling of people like Victoria Newland who was in the Bush yeah. administration, and we all know her connection to the, the coup in 2014. Um, yeah. Where does the government get off putting people like that back into the same positions? I mean, uh, she is obviously a part of the problem. 
Well, right. I mean, that's that's because they don't view her as part of the problem. She in their in their real mind, not their fake propaganda mind, is part of the solution. She helped. She she showed her bona fides. She helped create a U.S. backed coup in 2014 and installed the uh, U.S. backed uh, puppet government. So by their by their calculations, you know, what a good job. What a great resume. Come on in. <laughs> yeah. Walk, walk right into the office. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's actually part of what broke me out of uh, believing in the, the, you know, that the two party system mattered and things like that was when I saw, you know, the rehabilitation of these Bush era goons, not to mention George Bush himself. Uh, you know, he's friends with the Obamas and he's sitting next to Ellen DeGeneres at Super Bowl games. And he's, uh, you know, and Condoleezza Rice is being interviewed right now as uh, as an expert on uh, what how horrible Russia is. And, you know, when I was younger, I'm like 22 sitting around going, why are these people? No one should ever trust a word they said. Like what? These are the maniacs who gave us the Iraq invasion that killed a million people and were lying about the reasons. Why would anyone trust a word they say? And yet I saw them being rehabilitated again and again and again. And I was like, oh, I get it. They're all part of a small club and they don't care. There was no WMD in Iraq. That was just a just a dumb reason they gave us so they could go in. So what, what do you think of the significant, how significant do you think the, um, announcement that by Victoria Newland that there were these bio research facilities in uh, Ukraine, the Chinese and the Russians have concluded there were 30 of these facilities yeah. uh, that then they were orders handed down to the Ukrainians to destroy all the samples so the Russians couldn't get their hands on them. What's your thoughts on this? And how uh, relevant do you think that is to one of the to why Putin went in, in the first place? I, I don't think it's that relevant to why he went in, except it just backs up his argument that it is a risk to national security to have a basically U.S. backed regime in Ukraine, uh, both in terms of Nazi involvement, the weapons we were sending there. But bioweapons are, are also a form of weapons. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it could play a little role in that sense. I'd have to learn more about it to to uh, to know whether it they're like to know whether the U.S. was doing it in Ukraine because they wanted it to be near Russia, meaning, you know, maybe we'll release some sort of bioweapon on Russia or whether they were doing it in Ukraine because the U.S. just likes to outsource their dirty work. And we had a puppet government there. So why not outsource it to uh, a country that is not uh, one near us? Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know the, the reasoning there, but it, it, either way, either one of those is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, do you think. Um... We've never escalated to nuclear war, and I think for obvious reasons, and I don't think anybody really wants that. Do you think there's anything that Putin could do in the Ukraine that would actually trigger a full-on NATO response uh, leading to some kind of nuclear war? Because I still don't believe it. I don't think that we will hit that point of uh, actually deploying nukes on either side. I think it's highly unlikely, uh, but... You can end up scenarios where people misunderstand each other. You know, Russia could think they've got a nuke headed for them and fire back and et cetera. But uh, I think I do think it's highly unlikely. I mean, let's face it, the, the U.S. And, and most of NATO does not care about civilian deaths. So, I mean, as you've said, and as, as I've seen, uh, Russia is not trying to just kill as many civilians as possible. But even if that shift happened, which I don't know why it would, but even if that shift shift happened, I don't know that the U.S. would like, you know, because you when you decide to fire a nuclear weapon, you're basically saying let's kill 
all of the peoples. I mean, it's it is the single dumbest thing anyone could ever do. But of course, that doesn't mean that these maniacs uh, couldn't do it by accident or couldn't think they're uh, responding to something that's not actually happening. So Lee, we only got a couple of minutes left. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what are your plans now? I mean, honestly, I would think that it would be a no brainer for your show to be picked up at Comedy Central. Um, do you have any <laughs> do you have any plans or are you in talks with anybody to take your show anywhere else? I think you've uh, you, you've been studying the the corporate state long enough that, you know, Comedy Central and Viacom would have no interest in my comedy yeah. show. So, uh, yeah, no, definitely no mainstream network would want anything to do with me. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm in talks with some independent outlets that might be able to, like, you know, help out in funding something that looks a little bit like redacted. Um, I the, most of the outlets that I talk with don't have the type of money that it takes to put on a, a, a three camera, big studio type of show like that, which is why I knew Redacted Tonight was so rare and special. I, you know, the, the, it, both, both from the sense of like, I knew you'd never see a fully funded television style studio show uh, at any other network that was saying what I wanted to say. And I knew that there's no other network that would give me the freedom uh, that I had at RT America with writing my own content, never being censored, never being told what to say, uh, just fully free. It was truly crazy. And I was amazed for that it lasted eight minutes, much less eight years in our world of suppression. Um, and something we haven't uh, mentioned is that in that same week, so within the span of three days, my TV show was canceled from U.S. sanctions. My uh, the, the redaction that YouTube videos are banned throughout the uh, throughout Europe and U.K. And my uh, my personal podcast, Moment of Clarity, was deleted from Spotify. So it was a cross platform purge of a lot of my content. Um, luckily, I, I still have some out there. You know, my my podcast still exists. That one's just not on Spotify. But it, it shows that there is a coordination of, of censorship. There is this multiple, very large corporations getting together and in some form connecting with the U.S. government and deciding it's time to purge these voices from the national discourse, which is uh, just massively scaring and uh, scary. And it should it should everyone should feel threatened by it, whether you love my stuff or not. Uh, that being said, I'm trying to keep going. I'm trying to build something. If I get enough members at patreon.com slash Lee camp, I will, uh, try and create something that looks a little like redacted tonight. And, uh, and luckily even, even without that, I still, uh, am making YouTube videos. I have, uh, three podcasts. I have articles. So if everybody would just check out patreon.com slash Lee camp, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, Lee, I really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. If there's anything I can ever do to help you out, you just let me know. Um, we have, we've amassed Very quite a, a hell of a network of independent creators that I work with and we're always doing shows, like, honestly, like two or three a day, if you add all of us together. So yeah, I'd yeah. love to help you out and get your book on there, whatever you'd like. So, um, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week and uh, till next time, see you everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.